Well, hi everyone, it's Charles here from the GHFC with podcast number 25. Now, today I'm going to be sharing with you the first episode in a series of nine, each one representing the career paths taken by nine fellow students having completed their initial tertiary qualifications in quarry engineering. Now, the objective behind the sharing of these stories is simply uh, to provide some perspective to all current students that the career choices they make today do not necessarily need to be life-defining. So let me introduce to you 40 years on, nine career stories. Okay, so following nine different accounts of nine different life experiences over a period of the same 40 or so years, from 1980 to 2022. These reflections simply serving as a point of reference for everyone, not just those in the engineering sector, to fully appreciate that although you may embark on a set career path in your late teens or early 20s, it does not have to be life-defining. What is, what is the most important thing is the ability to take stock of where you are at. Ask yourself, are you being fulfilled? Then make adjustments to suit. That's exactly what these nine people did and, as you'll see, life has worked out pretty well for them all. Now, by way of introduction, in 1980, we were nine guys from all corners of the UK, be that Cornwall, Devon, Berkshire, Kent, Surrey, Yorkshire, Northumberland, Cumbria, even Scotland, whom fate thrust together at the Doncaster Metropolitan Institute of Higher Education, otherwise known as DMIHE, uh, nestling amidst the sleepy hamlets of High Mountain and Cadeby, on the outskirts of Doncaster, South Yorkshire, where we embarked on the Doncaster Diploma in Quarry Engineering. Yep, we drank together, we pranked together, we drank some more and we pranked some more. And then to fill in time, we learned all there was to know about quarry engineering and quarry management. In essence, we came together as boys, leaving three years later as men. Now in 2021, due to COVID, the passing of time, and the advent of Zoom, 12 former students reconnected as DDQ reunited. It started with three of us, then went to four, then to seven, then eight, finally becoming 12. Okay, so let's now hear from this group of nine boys to men in no particular order, well, except from um, being alphabetical. Please note that my narrating skills, or lack thereof, preclude me from speaking with the rich accents each contributor has. I simply would not do them justice. So we shall begin with Andrew's story. Now, Andrew is from Devon, so imagine the narration is being given uh, by someone with an English West Country accent, not as strong as Jethro, uh, the former comedian from Cornwall, or as soft as John Arlott, the, the former cricket commentator from Hampshire, simply someone in between. 
I left school in January 1977 after resitting my GCE A-levels with hopes for a career that included science and geology. So when I found an advert for a quarry laboratory technician, I thought that might be interesting, at least until I found something better or did some further education. I soon found myself getting up at four o'clock in the morning and traveling to the quarry on my Honda 125 motorbike. My first task being to take the moisture content of the asphalt sand and then the temperature of the first loads of blacktop leaving ARC's Trusham Quarry at five in the morning uh, for the A30 being constructed between Exeter and Oakhampton. After about a year, I hadn't moved on to medical laboratory studies that I'd originally intended, but the A30 contract had finished and, and I transferred to the premix concrete division. My job here was to chase mixer trucks all over Devon and take concrete samples from which I made cubes and undertook slump tests. I did some evening classes in concrete technology and I also did a supervisory studies course at the local tech college. In the summer of 97, uh, sorry, of 1979, the powers that be in ARC decided that I showed sufficient promise to be put onto a management training scheme. In the September, I found myself at High Melton with the other reprobates of the 1979 DDQ intake. I can honestly say that the three years I spent at Doncaster were the happiest and best years of my life. At 23 years old, I was the second oldest of our intake, reaching 24 after my first week. I clearly remember that whenever any music from the 60s was heard at Romeo and Juliet's nightclub in Doncaster, to the shouts of, this is your era, Andy, I was up on the dance floor strutting my stuff or doing the twist until I put my cartilage out. Our three years at Doncaster were crowned off by a fantastic field trip to the USA. As well as seeing some great quarries, we had a fantastic time on our American road trip, which left me with wanderlust to travel ever since. I had such a great time at Doncaster, I wanted it to continue. And because I managed to scrape two A-levels, I qualified for the one-year add-on to do the degree course at Leeds University. Whilst this decision may have been made for the wrong reasons, getting a degree was the best decision for me as it opened so many doors later in my career. Now, whilst being a student were the best years of my life, struggling to succeed in quarry management were undoubtedly the worst. In 1989, after several lacklustre appointments, I decided to become a student once again. My BSc degree in quarrying provided me with the entry qualifications for a one-year postgraduate certificate in education, which I studied at Bristol University. After teaching science for a year at a large comprehensive school in Gloucestershire, I decided that teaching teenagers was even more problematic for me than being a quarry manager. 
Hence, in 1991, I gained a position with Dorset County Council as technical advisor in their mineral planning team. At last, I'd found a position that fulfilled my love of the quarrying industry without the hassle of management. In 1997, I managed to answer the call for further learning. Again, the decision to do that extra year at Leeds University was found to be a good one, as it provided with me with the entry qualifications to do a master's degree in town and country planning. Then in 2000, after three years of study whilst working full-time, I became a fully qualified mineral planner. For 20 years until my retirement in October 2019, I processed mineral and waste planning applications for Dorset, as well as run-of-the-mill applications for small stone quarries and sand and gravel extensions. I even dealt with ball clay extraction, underground stone mines on Portland, even an oil well. I also dealt with environmental habitat reviews that involved the revocation of planning consents and the resultant com compensation claims. Basically, I became poacher turned gamekeeper. So there it is. We have the recollections, the recollections, sorry, from Andrew. Well, I hope you've gained some insights and added value from his experiences over the past 40 years. And as always, many thanks for taking the time to listen. Should you or someone you know be showing signs of anxiety, then please do contact the following organisations or at least visit their websites. The Black Dog Institute, Beyond Blue, Gotcha for Life, Lifeline, Sane Australia, Are You OK? or Headspace. Until next time, stay mentally well. All the best. Charles at the GHFC.